Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Round 11 dawns tonight with the top six having put a gap on the rest. West Coast lurching from one disaster to the next and a clutch of clubs fighting for final survival. The Essendon champ and AFL Nations, Scotty Lucas, has joined us to preview this weekend's action. Morning, Scott. Morning, Sam. Great to have you on, mate. Great to have you on. And I should have said uh, an integral panel member for Sunday Crunch Time, which is going well also. You can describe it however you like, Sam, <laughs> but thank you for the compliment. Now, tonight, being a former key forward yourself, looking at who's not playing for Sydney, what do you think's going through the mind of the likes of Charlie Curnow and Harry Mackay tonight? Well, I reckon two things, Sam. First is uh, we've got a really opportun- good opportunity to have a big night. And second thing, can you please get the ball into us quickly <laughs> and give us a chance one-on-one? And, and look, the Sydney Cricket Ground is the perfect ground for Carlton to play that style of football. It's a, it's a quicker way home. So really for me, if um, you can get on top in centre bounce, it really is conducive to giving your forwards a good chance and, and a good opportunity to score off centre bounce. That's what they should be attacking. And it really is the number one factor in the game for me. Yeah, both clubs in a rut, aren't they? Particularly the Blues, who perhaps don't have the alibi that Sydney has with their injury list. I mean, how do you, as a club, as a collective, I mean, you've been through good times and bad times. I mean, how do you seek to dig yourself out of holes like this? Just putting the the Magna board and the X's and O's to one side for a moment. How do you seek to lift the morale or at least keep the morale high, do you think? Oh, look, you've, you've, got to, you've got to keep the fun and the energy up and about. I think you've got to really look to not take too much notice of the outside noise. Control what you can and really, but at the same time, go to town on what's not working. Um, don't, from a coaching point of view, analyse the numbers and what you're seeing and put a plan in place. That's what your players want. They want to know that there's solutions to your problems. And, you know, they've played bits and pieces. I, I still think it sits there. They just haven't been able to put it all together. Uh, to your earlier point, you're right. Having been there before for Sydney, it doesn't give you a mulligan, but at least you know what the ultimate success looks like. So mm. you can draw on that. And they've got a really good reason with all the injuries they've got. Carlton have had some false starts in recent times. Last year, that would sit on their back that last month of footy. But there's that little mental aspect that they're going to have to come all, overcome also in order to get things back on track. Hey, Melbourne and Fremantle jump off the page. I mean, the Dockers have won their last three. I think they've topped the ton in their last three. And they've got a foothold in the middle of the ground with um, with Brayshaw finding some real form. Now, can you mount a case for them at the G given Clayton Oliver's out? I think you can, Sam. On the back of last year, when it was least expected and Melbourne were flying, Freo beat them. Mm. So if we talk about that confidence that's gained, uh, Freo will go into the game confident, started tweaked how they're playing, playing a lot better, a lot more direct. Uh, Midfield's really on top at the moment. So they've got the area to go one-on-one with Melbourne uh, tomorrow. But in saying that, Melbourne should get the job done, but Freo will go in with confidence and a real dangerous game for the Ds. Hunter's suspension, did you reckon they got that right, Scott? 
Uh, it may be unpopular uh, to say, but I was okay with that one. Yeah. I was going to be concerned if Rankin got suspended. And um, just an opinion, Sam, I thought Rankin could really clearly show and argue that he was going for the ball. He had mm. hands down, he was low. Whereas I felt at that point, the point of contact with Hunter, he wasn't actually in a position to go low and win the ball. For me, he was more trying to protect and bump. That was the way I saw it, so I was okay with that. Yeah. Uh, look, I re- what I do really feel for is the players because it's split-second decisions. Because Lockie Hunter didn't go in with malice. He went in to protect himself and then, I think, go for the ball. It's just if you get the order wrong or get him a little bit high or the other player goes lower and perhaps doesn't protect himself as adequately as he should, you unfortunately can end up in some trouble. Yeah, I, th- I agree with you in the in the most part. He certainly braced for contact. He wasn't trying to hurt um, uh, Connor Rosie. He was almost self protection, preservation, wasn't it? I think if he'd uh, uh, Jeff Gleeson said this in the aftermath, if he'd made a legitimate play on the ball while protecting himself, much like Isaac Rankin did, then I think he would have been fine. But he didn't satisfy the tribunal that he made enough of a play on the ball. Uh, I felt sorry for him. It was one of those uh, awkward ones that you could understand given it happens in a split second, of course. Hey, Scotty, down the hallway at Geelong, they're having a horrible run with injury, the Cats. You just hope, from their perspective, it's just not going to be one of those years where they have to tread water in the treatment table and they've got players, you know, playing musical chairs throughout the year. Oh, look, it's a challenge for them at the moment. They're not the only team in that position. Uh, We saw, and it was interesting, two weeks ago, Richmond beat them. Is Richmond back? Uh, then they were disappointing against the Bombers and we saw Frio beat Geelong. So I think it's real at Geelong. Uh, they're undermanned. Uh, the benefit is they're at home at uh, GMHBA Stadium and it's almost like a fortress for them. So if they've got a good run of games in the next few weeks down there, it's whether they can, you know, just keep their head above that 50-50 mm-hmm. win-loss, get some players back and then mount a run, which they have done in previous years in the back half of the year. So only one team's won it from outside the top four. They've been the Dogs in 2016 under this system. If the Cats are able to get everyone back and find some form and they didn't qualify for top four, could you see them still winning it? There's some serious crystal balling in this question I appreciate. Yeah, look, I wouldn't count them out. And you're right, Sam, you can finish, you can limp into a top four position. Like you, mm. we saw the Ds last year really maintain that position on the ladder, but their form had tapered off. Now, you could all, you could be fifth or sixth and really have your game in great shape and come with a bang. So just because of the position on the ladder and the fact you get the week off before the finals, you certainly can't you can't count out anyone that's fifth and sixth if they're hitting their straps at the right time. I tell you, the Western Bulldogs are humming at the moment, aren't they? And, and perhaps everything we thought they would be over summer. Uh, and they've had some issues with injury as as well, of course, with um, key position players going down. Adam Trelaw's hamstring and our Jason Johannesson. But um, speaking of top four, they've never done it under Luke Beveridge, but all systems uh, are firing at the moment. Look, they're, they're flying under the radar, really. Got off to a bad start um, to rounds one and two. But in hindsight, which is always interesting, it was to a St Kilda team, uh, Melbourne, who are in good form, and a St Kilda team that were red hot early in the year. Uh, they're a well-balanced team. If you look at it, super strong through the midfield. Bontempelli having a career season, which is really saying something. Liam Jones as a player down back and got good key forwards and smalls attacking halfbacks. They're really well-balanced at the moment.
Can I ask you about Richmond, who are obviously fascinating uh, for all the the reasons that became clear this week, Scotty. I'm not sure whether their DNA is so deep-rooted in terms of what they believe in as a club and how they play that the system will be maintained under Andrew McWalter. Do you think he'd be, it'll be more tweaks, if anything, with him? Look, it's a good, it's a great question. Um, I, I think your assistants work closely with your senior coach to come up with the game plan. So I would think it'd be more tweaks and total overhaul. I do think that. Uh, it's not to say, for example, if McQuilter had a great run and got the job, that he wouldn't look to overhaul. Mm. Uh, depending on the list and what he truly believes in. But right now, I could expect tweaks, but certainly not a dramatic overhaul. And, and as a player manager, I guess the lure of coaches who sell the vision, I mean, how big of a role does the coach play in a player's decision to, to join a club? I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm referencing Damien Harwick leaving after the likes of you know Hopper and Taranto come in. I mean, how big is the coach in the decision-making of a player to join a club, Scotty? What's, what's it really look like? Yeah, look, incredibly big, Sam. And we've had it where players have been really caught up with what the coaches said. Um, whereas as a manager, you may be a little bit more mm. um, balanced in that you look at, okay, that's good that he's selling this vision for you. But if you consider where the list is at, the opportunities elsewhere. But absolutely, it's a critical role. Uh, the, the coach that can sell the vision, because at the end of the day, um, we look at things a bit more holistically, whereas the player just wants to know, is the coach, he picks the team, is he going to play me? Uh, are we a chance to be successful? So uh, you've got to balance that up, but absolutely critically important. And I imagine, and Dimmer, who has been a great leader of men for a long time, mm. would have, so, I imagine, sold that very well to those players, as you would expect. Yeah, look, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what do you think that conversation would have been like from Damien Hardwick to those two in particular? Oh, I'm guessing if it's similar along similar lines to other coaches, he'd be explaining where they fit in their system, why mm. they think they can win it again. Um, a strong culture. They'd be talking about the young players coming through and that they don't think it's just a one-year run. I think Dimmer, without knowing, obviously, would have spoke about the future and, and what they can do and how long they can hold that for. He may have spoken about Geelong's ability to do it over a period of time where... I mean, they've been wonderful, Geelong, but there's everyone has a couple of times said, gee, is this the end of it? And then they go again. <laughs> and they got last year and they got a grand final in uh, 2020. So th that's still there um, in that sense. But, but that's the coach's job. It's up to the player, his family, his manager, to discuss that. Because if you've got all four coaches saying something very similar, which is a possibility to be true. You've got to work through that and see what works for the player and what you think on your list analysis and how you fit into that team. Hey, just coming back to round 11, um, Scotty, um, Adelaide obviously have emerged this year as a as something of a finals contender. It must be said, and certainly a very hard road trip for rival clubs coming to the Adelaide Oval. Now, Brisbane lost at this venue in, in round one in what you'd have to say is the anomaly in their season so far. And this is another great-looking game on paper with the Crows who get a couple back this weekend. Really important, the players they've got back. I did the game for AFL Nation last weekend against the Bulldogs. And with uh, Phil Thorpe and uh, Tex out of the team, they really lack confidence to go forward with speed and get it in there. So that changed the nature of the game. And Liam Jones was such a significant uh, player in that game that 
I think you can ride off many elements for, for Adelaide in that game. And mm. they get home, those players are back. They'll be full of confidence. It'll be an extremely tough game uh, for Brisbane without question. Yep, absolutely. Hey, the mid-season draft is coming up next Wednesday. Almost sneaking up on us, to be honest. How many picks do you reckon, Scotty? I think, what are we say maybe a dozen clubs with the ability to, yeah. to take someone? Yeah, I, I general thought is not as many picks as, the years, but that's always the way, and then someone will activate one late. So mm. there'll be an amount. It's just a, it's an interesting time as clubs get more data because we've had more preseason drafts. Now they start to get a firm sense of the type of play that will work best, and perhaps the play that won't work best. So clubs are pretty balanced with it now. I think they saw it early on as a, a greater opportunity than perhaps they do right now. And mid-season trade period next year, you reckon? Oh, look, Sam, I, I might differ from a lot in the industry that I'm real. I really question it. Okay. Uh, I think, I think um, if you trade a player into another team, for example, if you've got a young ruck at uh, call it St Kilda, mm. they lose a ruck and then they trade one in mid-year. Well, that disadvantages the younger players at perhaps St Kilda, as an example, to get opportunities going on. We had Sean Darcy a couple of years ago at Frio, who was given games perhaps sooner than they expected because Adam, uh, Aaron Sanderlands went down injured. Now, if the mid-year draft was available, do Frio bring in a ruck Sean doesn't play for that year? So I think we've got, we've got to really look at it. And I think it's very difficult for the interstate teams to do much in that space because if you look at a Melbourne-based player, he lives in Ascot Vale, he could conceivably stay at home and be traded to any Melbourne club. But if an interstate club was interested in him, that's a huge decision for him to mm. move away. So I think it diminishes the opportunity for the interstate clubs and perhaps provides too great an advantage for the Melbourne-based team. So I'd really be approaching with caution. Yeah, the dev- um, let, let, Let's not do it just to create some content and discussion around it. And, and look, I'm a little old school also. I like that when you set your list in December, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. And your ability to balance your list. So if you look at Collingwood, um, and they will probably possibly look at a Ruckman next week. Um, they did trade Brody Grundy out at the end of last year. They made a decision. Uh, and then if their Rucks get injured, I'm a little bit like, that's life, deal yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see all that. The devil, as in everything, will be in the detail. I mean, do, do, do you suspect, though, that it is going to come in, maybe with some oh, parameters? Oh, look, whenever things are floated, Sam, as yeah. you would know, as being an experienced <laughs> member of the media, they, you know, they take the temperature of the public and mm, uh, mm. they do that and they uh, talk about it and then all of a sudden it's in. So I think there's certainly strong consideration for it. Mate, great to talk to you. I'll be listening on Sunday like I always am. appreciate your insights uh, on the eve of round 11 this morning. Pleasure, Sam. There's Scotty Lucas uh, there, AFL Nation, uh, former Essendon star, and, of course, uh, Phoenix Management Group. Uh, some breaking news just uh, in regards to player contracts and the like. North Melbourne co-captain, a dual best and fairest winner as well. Sid Barker medalist Jai Simkin has put pen to paper on a new five-year contract. That is a massive deal for the 25-year-old. So he'll be at that club until at least the end of 2029 contractually and, of course, some, what, 30 years of age. So um, that's his future 
tied to North Melbourne. If you're a North Melbourne supporter, uh, I'm sure you'd be thrilled with that. You can let us know your thoughts. one 736 736 That is the number for the open line for EFS delivering simple freight solutions. And we opened our conversation with Scotty Lucas talking about Charlie Curnow and Harry Mackay tonight against a, a Sydney defence uh, bereft of... Um, of key back options. I like this text from Dan, though. When it comes to the Swans stopping Harry and Charlie, if anyone can, Melly can. Not bad, Dan. Good dad joke. I like one. Melbourne's weather today, shower or two. 14 degrees the top, though. She's not warm. Uh, it's for City Power inspecting and maintaining the CBD underground electrical network.